0: Welcome back to SideQuest, episode 22, Final Fantasy VII, episode 10. And I have back with me my esteemed colleague and, and shared adventurer on many adventures, Mr. Wesley Chance. Welcome back. Hey,
1: good to be back.
0: It's good to have you back. And I, you know, when you texted me before this episode saying, got through Cosmo Canyon, and I had not even started playing, sort of like so often when you had finished a reading at graduate school, and I had not even started the reading <laughs> at, by the time I saw you, and probably still thought it wise to have an opinion about it. Um, I thought it was interesting. Um, when you said "Cosmo Canyon," I knew I was in for an in- interesting bit of play. And you know, just even in the name itself, it, it, it ranges the extent of all that exists, right? The cosmos is in that's, that which is heavenly and that which is beyond the mundane, and then the canyon, that which is ultra-mundane, even like enmeshed into the earth, even deeper than earth. Hmm. So this is a place that is a union of the opposites. And so even, even though it's a, it's a rock place, a petrified place, a dead place filled with ghosts of the past and elders and limited young people, there's also uh, a connection to something rich and real that keeps it present and keeps people coming there as learners from this mm-hmm. place. Um, and so there's, there's a dead aspect here, as well as a living. And so it strikes me as like a university. Um, yeah.
1: it's, a, it's a kind of observatory as well. <laughs> and, um, and Bugenhagen, who is called Grandpa by Red 13, AKA Nanaki, uh, that's his real name. We learned, anyway. So Grandpa up there at the top of the uh, the rock has got his observatory and a kind of planetarium in there, and he does walk you through some of the um, the learning that I guess they they lay out for the the seekers who come who find their way to Cosmo Canyon. It's there's a lot in this bit, and I I think the comparison to a reading of a great book is fair because because it's certainly uh, weaves together a lot of, yeah, themes of life and death, of maturation, of truth and betrayal. Um, and, and even before you get here, I mean, we can't overlook Gongaga either, or Gongaga, uh, that small town that you passed through on the way. So maybe, maybe we could start with that first before we forget to uh, touch upon it.
0: Well, remind me some of Gongaga, just so I make sure that I actually got there um
1: oh, yeah so if you got the death blow materia then you definitely went by it okay there's a town like i was there there's a it's a town of um in a way it's a town that that relates to this because it's got a cemetery right in the front of the town and in the background of the town is a ruined reactor yes um that has that exploded and uh if you go check it out scarlet uh, will will hop out of a helicopter with Sang, and they will check out to see if there's any huge materia there. You don't know yet what that is, but they're looking for it. And they're like, oh, this is just junk materia." And then if you go check where they were looking, you'll find a Titan summon. So yes. it's your next your next summon is a big you know Earth dude. Um, and so anyway, it's it's also the hometown of Zach's parents though. Yes. And and so in the in the furthest house tucked away in this little, this little town of people who've returned to nature since their reactor blew up. They, they've decided not to, not to go with Shinra any further. Um, anyway, Zach's parents are there, and they ask, hey, you've got – are you in, in soldier? Are you first class? Did you know Zach? Oh, that's so weird. Like, there can't be that many first class soldiers, and you guys didn't know each other, huh? That's so weird. It's too bad. And, <laughs> and it's just like, oh, chills, right? You start to wonder, what – what is going on and it's it's one of those points in the game that that just sort of lightly prods at the player saying you know who 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 or what is is waiting for cloud in his past that he hasn't dealt with yet the way that you know uh red 13 and and barrett earlier have have had to deal with theirs
0: right it's almost like it's an exhortation to the reader like dante is so fond of doing i think he does it something like 22 times Throughout the Divine Comedy, and maybe even just in the Inferno. I forget. He does it fairly frequently. It's probably throughout the entire comedy. But um but that, you know, we go through and we see Barrett working through his issues that are causing him negative emotion, which he has to articulate and fix in the world. We see Red Thirteen and this Cosmo Canyon after Gongaga really having to deal with the demons of the past. <laughs> and um, but they're constant reminders and that cloud is going to perhaps have an even bigger sort of meltdown Mm -hmm. because of, uh, because he has been even more self-deceptive. Like we've said earlier than these people, he has not been as forthright in that way and just observing and sort of taking part in other people's self-discovery. Um, you as the player are like cloud
1: sort
0: of, through this window in this laboratory or this observatory, observing what's happening um, without having to truly take part in it and um, and the game reminding you, well, actually, because of the existence of something like this that models this behavior actually actually it's the other way around. you will have to deal with situations like these, and you'll either rise or fall to them and um, it all it you know again it feels like something ito would have done in earthbound to remind mm-hmm. the game the game player that the game is actually about them and that the story is about them
1: um, yeah yeah it's on a much more cinematic scale here too and i mean it's it is a really cool passage in the game when you you enter cosmo canon and, and you and you're sort of in this um this self-contained segment of the game it's it's its own adventure um it's you're accompanying red 13 this time, uh, not Barrett, but in other ways it's very similar, right? There's, there's someone out there that you're going to find. Um, it has to do with filling in the past. And again, yeah, I think it's very interesting that cloud is always required to go along. And in that way he is a kind of stand in for the player. Um, it's, there's no clear reason why, uh, he should be, um, tagging along in this, but, but Bugenhagen, you know, the wisest of the wise men insists upon it, right? Like bring, you come along and bring one other person too, right? this, uh, fill out the party.
0: Which has really been your role the entire time, right? Like even in the very first mission, when you very first start on, it's like, what is this guy doing here? And he's yeah. the hired help, like he kind of stands out. And um, well, you know, I think that's such an interesting thing about being the hero, well, two things about that. Um, Bugenhagen himself. He is literally, I have it written down here, I have him described as a uh, floating grandfather on top of Cosmo Canyon, who lives <laughs> in the Planetary Observatory in, uh, and is described as incredible and knows everything. Yeah. So, at the top of a canyon where you, you can observe the stars, is a floating man who knows everything. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a figure of God, and he's also got extended age, 130, and he's also called grandfather. So he's even more godlike, I would say, than Albus Dumbledore or Gandalf, who are also figures of God, God the sure. uh, Father, um, and uh, God the Father, not just in his dead aspect, but his living aspect too, right? Because he's actually teaching you something when you go out there about how things work. And I have a question about that because that's a really uh, a major cinematic experience right that's a special Mm. moment when you go up there and you get to see the stars move and i happened to be with tifa at the time so i got to see her amongst the stars which Mm -hmm. was like seeing the most beautiful moment that cloud could possibly imagine right And, and she she made a comment let me see i have the note right here of what she said sorry that i'm looking uh Oh no! Well, I just had the uh, the interesting thing she said later, where she was like, "You've gone far away. You really, really are you, right?" But um, but she mm. said something like, "It's so beautiful, be a shooting star. Shooting star goes past."
1: Yeah. And
0: um, did you have Tifa in your party? Did that still happen?
1: I I think it's whoever's in your party because I put Eris in to use her. Materia staff that you get from the uh, the fight against the Turks back in Gungaga, and so she got a she's able to use like all the different summons at once, and it's just a, a beast. Oh. And uh, anyway, so but she she's there, and it made me remember the very first scene when you start up the game and you see her face lit by the uh, the Mako light in um in Midgar, oh, um, because, because it's the same music. That plays there, um, that plays in the uh, the planetarium. Um, that kind of twinkling, yes. sort of. Ding, you know. ding, ding. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, and it's so so. It's the exact same kind of thing happening where you know the um, the the microcosm, you know, cosmo, uh, is, is lighting up the face of this uh, character, right, who you're learning about in the course of learning about the cosmos, which is cool.
0: Yeah, as if, since what our, a human's natural environment is, is other people, is a social environment, that the deeper you learn about a specific person, the deeper you learn about that which is actually truly your world as a social creature. Um and we actually do this in sort of a, a meta way by learning through this figure of femininity rather than a woman herself right a character sure. of a woman and so it's as if there's a distilled amount of information in in everything that she does that's even even you know potentially richer at least for a young person than you know interaction with many other women given his lack of sophistication and ability to actually extract information from his interactions at that time being like sort of clumsy and saying dumb things rather than you know mining somebody's experience through interesting conversation
1: it's it's interesting that yeah you bring up how the player has to deal with their past the way that cloud has to deal with their past because yeah in a way you're the way that you sort of learn about yourself in playing this game is through through your response to what you're seeing happen, right? Whether you observe it with care or whether you sort of rush through, um, whether you try to make some connections between things and and learn from it, or whether you take the, the long lesson scene with Bugenhagen as a kind of um, interruption to what you want to be doing, which is, you know, earning gill and leveling up your materia or whatever. So it's, yeah. And I think that it's a really cool thing that, uh, he emphasizes the way that, that the Mako energy, um, is already, it's like, he seems to think it's already too late. And so it's up to the player to then supply the the voice of, no, it's not too late. Right. It's like, have more hope, have more, uh, uh, Kind of the the drive then comes from the player rather than Bugenhagen saying you know you be the hero right. Instead it's like you're seeing all this happen and you're as as Cloud you know his nature is to kind of be standoffish and too cool for school. But then the player again is is urged all the more right to invest to uh, to be earnest and um and and want to. Play that role, you know. It's 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 an interesting kind of uh, jujitsu that the game does on you. There, I think. When I
0: like, I like the figure of the God the Father, and you see this frequently with Gandalf and Tolkien, and even mm-hmm. other sort of God the Father figures like Elrond. It's pretty consistent that like there's a pessimism about your ability to be successful given how little you happen to be, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even mm-hmm. in Harry Potter, to some extent, it's like Harry's never even a full grown wizard when he's dealing with like the biggest baddest dude that's ever existed voldemort people don't even say his name right and so it's it's like it gives you the ultimate challenge to put yeah. it in a jetty in terms it's like it builds a super mountain for you to climb and so you have to develop super endurance in order to climb it and it, it's important too because i think the point made by the sort of god the father figure in, in this instance is that Uh, that by Bugenhagen is that without you, it's not going to happen. It's surely not going to happen. It is fated that it is going to fail without a hero. And so you have to supplant yourself Mm -hmm. into that situation. You as the individual have to renew the society. You're the one who has to take the initiative because he's not going to do it. He'll guide you um, from the back essentially, but you have to put in the legwork.
1: Right yeah it's it's cool this is um maybe this is the first time that you have a party member who doesn't actually appear in your um your fight your fighting uh group right because he is accompanying you the whole way down through those caves um and he'll pop out and and say things from time to time Um, but he doesn't take part in any of the battles
0: yeah and um well as we get closer and closer to that poltergeist um, demon of the past, Guy Boss Fight. First, mm. I want uh, to mention what we do learn in the observatory during that beautiful scene. We learn about, uh, and please add to this what I forget, we learn about sure. what makes the life stream that when people die, their bodies return to the earth, but so do their consciousnesses. And their mm. consciousnesses, no matter what they are, uh, tree or human, merge into a sort of collective consciousness called the life stream which can then be mined by Shenra reactors and turned into mako which is essentially poison version of life stream and is sucking thus the consciousnesses of former living beings and turning them into products Hmm. um that and that is slowly but surely killing the essence or the life spirit of the planet which is made up of the former consciousnesses of you know the people you have loved who have died and everybody and everything else
1: yep yep he um he illustrates this pretty um dramatically right like visually um as he's explaining what's going on you see a, a little kind of scene of the planet as it's going around uh you see a little person on it you see a little tree on it yeah and and how they break down into these little glowing particles that flow and then flow together. Uh, And yeah, I I found that um, description of it really intriguing um, that the, the consciousness is in some way um, finding its through, through its wandering, right. It, it runs into and finds other consciousness. Um, And I thought that was kind of cool because, because it implies that what Shinra's doing is like the reverse, right? Like chopping up and freezing consciousness into, um, into a fixed form. Uh, and
0: they can then produce power for people who didn't create it, but can yeah. further develop it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because that's, that's kind of what I was going to think about next, was like, because then we do see a Nibelheim in, back in Clouds flashback we see them find that that natural formation of um of crystals Uh and um i'm kind of curious about how i mean you see this too like with with certain materia that you find out in the wild right it wasn't um it wasn't created it wasn't uh, manufactured so it seems like there is there is a kind of natural cycle and there's a certain amount of crystallization and utilization that would be you know fine it would be okay for the planet or, or maybe you know over time that crystallization would take place anyway right and and over time it would um finally run its course uh naturally as well that that seems like a possibility but but what shinra's done is to isolate that one thing about the um this this cycle of consciousness and life and to um like really just yeah, take it out of the uh out of the cycle, right? And that um that seems like the same kind of wish, right, of anyone who wants to be uh a dark lord, right, who wants to assert power, who wants to have immortal life, uh and and the uh well in a way that's the kind of um Promethean uh urge as well, the Luciferian urge to to seize and uh, hold up one's own. Uh, in, intelligent making um, above the natural course of things as ordained by whatever mysterious maker might be out there. Right, and essentially
0: to put the self above the community and to sacrifice the community for the self, sort of like in, um, I'm forgetting the name of that um, most recent uh, Matthew McConaughey movie uh, where he goes to space and has to save everybody, but um basically there's a secret matt damon character and he does the same thing in a very luciferian way
1: uh interstellar right
0: Interstellar, yes yes yeah. exactly i was thinking of that i was thinking also of a recent netflix show altered carbon which sort of makes the same suggestion that when when that the, the ultimate sort of dark tendency in a human and also westworld makes this point hbo is when the individual tries to sort of transcend time rather mm. and disequilibrates society so that now can exist but the future cannot um rather than sacrificing himself or his generation or his life in order for future generations to thrive and so it's essentially an anti-christian like luciferian uh, non-christ like idea right because christ's idea is he even dies for the people who betrayed him Mm. so that the future will be better and so that you know ideals can survive and so the luciferian idea is the opposite the future will not survive so that I can survive in this way now. Um, so right. I sacrifice all you and all future you for me. <laughs> and right, that seems right. to be the idea behind Rufus. Ruthless Rufus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as well. You know, yeah. Sephiroth it, as well.
1: It, and and he sort of has, um, has slipped out of the, the limelight here. It's kind of interesting how the the characters, uh, the, the villain type characters sort of come and go. Um, we, we hear about, you know, we're on the Sephiroth's trail. We know he's a, a step ahead of us at all times. Okay. But yeah, like Rufus, what's he up to right now? Like he's, he flew off in a helicopter. Um, we see Scarlet, um, and Sang pop in, uh, looking for huge materia. Right. So there's that, what are they up to? Um, and I think if I remember right, it's, it's in um, Planetarium room where the huge materia is eventually gonna end up, right? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, okay. So that's kind of, it's like, you know, the the plot thickens here. Um, but we're finally getting a little bit more about Genova as well, right, from the other uh, elders around Cardinal yes. Canyon. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right, yeah. So there are, here are a few topics I just wanna lay out for you. Because so we circle around a fire, which I thought was an interesting event. We learn that essentially nobody is innocent. Um, which I think is maybe an overstatement, but not too much of one. Avalon, Avalanche was born here. Barrett, uh, we learned has repeatedly failed people now. Uh, the people mm-hmm. in Corell, Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse, and he's probably thinking he's failing Marlene. Um, uh-huh. uh, we have, uh, oh yeah, we have the pensive and meandering score back here. So again, the different from the energetic sort of tribal sort of deep drums and shakers and, uh, 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 flute or Mm -hmm. uh sort of wind instrument of the cosmo canyon which is going for that sort of native american uh feel uh Mm -hmm. with red 13 with his uh you know uh bird's feathers and his and his crest um whose you know father was felled by arrows from another tribe um yeah you know pretty clear what they're going for there um, also we had learned from Ares just to connect to the Genova bit that she is a cetra and she is alone. And then Cloud sits with her and it's sort of an interesting moment from like all those people who played this game as like, you know, adolescents. Because right. Cloud says, Is there anything we can do for you? And you know, does that mean we can't help? And she doesn't really respond. She doesn't give him a positive answer, or at least right. in my game. Yeah.
1: Yeah, she looks away, and Cloud sits by Tifa, too. If you go over yes. and talk to Tifa, he does the same move, right? He's doing his, um, you know, I'm sitting by you and giving you attention now. Uh-huh. Yeah,
0: yeah, and she, she, it goes just as badly with her, <laughs> yeah. too, because that's when she lays down. You've gone far away, indicating he's very different from how he used to be, and you really, really are you, right? And connect that back with what you just heard at Zach's, um connect that back with the, the fact that you've been seeing white stuff in your head telling you weird things um <laughs> you know that voice that you don't understand that was a little more prevalent in the beginning it's uh you there are cracks cracks are starting to show in the armor there and uh that his story isn't quite adding up this this cloud that we're dealing with here this truly this cloud this vague and ill-defined individual um and so yeah, so we also learned just to lay out that Genova bit that Professor Gast found Genova thirty years ago. This is from one of the elders, and mm-hmm. he used to come here a lot. And so he's a figure of I think the dead father, like the dead good father. Um, the old wise king in this positive aspect, because even even Sephiroth looks to him for answers, but he's no longer there to give them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's sort of like Mufasa. Uh, from the Lion King, in that respect, uh you know he was awesome, but he's gone, but he came here a lot, and he said so he came back in a very bad state the last time and he said that he uh Genova had not been an ancient, and that he had done something terrible, which right. i which that's just so curious because now apparently Ares knows that Sephiroth slash jenova are not like her, they are not truly ancients and Perhaps that actually has made her sad. Maybe she was curious. Maybe the story would have been more about her had they been, right? Like, yeah. What would end up transpiring between her and Sephiroth? I mean, the ideal would be that, well, they're both sort of ideals, right? Would be them mating, right? Like mm-hmm. like some super creature or him trying to abduct her and doing something terrible to her in some like, you know, uh, rape of Persephone sort of way. But but it doesn't go that direction. She again gets shut off from the story. You're unique and different. He's they're not like you. And even though that's curious for us, that that is sort of sad for her. Um, but um again, yeah. Um so, <laughs> Cloud gets no respite. Tifa says you really really are you. And so yeah. And Professor Gas found Genova thirty years ago. Sorry, going back through this. Um and so. Yeah, okay, and the last thing I have here is that we have literal ghosts of the past to fight for Nanaki, and we learned the enemy skill death sentence.
1: Nice, yeah, yeah. The way that the light around the campfire uh, moment then shifts to, okay, now it's time to hike through the, um, the depths, right, of the caves that, un- that are underneath of that um that canyon, New Agey village place, you know, uh, you you delve down through it, and you're you bring with you Bugenhagen, but the other elders they they tell you a lot, but they don't make everything super clear, and I, I found that pretty interesting. Like you can seek them out and talk to them, and they'll tell you a good deal about um, what their theories are about um, Genova, and you hear more about the ancients too, right? The guy thinks that they were. Um, kind of traveling and cultivating life, um, but went, you know, went to their rest, uh, their well-deserved rest. Or, or that's kind of the gist of what I got from the other elder um, who's back in the, the other room, like looking for something, and then he finds it. Um, <laughs> the first elder, the one who talks about Genova and Dr. Guest, he's the, in the, um, the bar, right? Yes. And, uh, so he offers you a drink when you first talk to him, and then later he tells you his whole this whole bit about, um, the, the secret of Genova. Um, but they, but they don't, uh, the, the, you still are kind of getting pieces of things. Um, they don't put it all together. And, and again, you don't fully hear Eris's side of it, right? Whatever is going on with her, she's not saying it yet. And, uh, and so you don't yet, um, kind of work the whole thing out instead you dramatize this descent and so in some way that's like what you get instead of the story right instead you delve back into the past of nanaki his relationship with his mufasa father um and and you play that out through fighting the dead spirits right yeah the ghosts who are pretty creepy uh and then you 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 pass through kind of like a lava it, or it could be just uh i don't know what like poisonous vats that bubble um there's that part where if you're running, you slip on the on the slippery stuff and you get stabbed by the the stabber
0: it hurts you too
1: brutal, yeah, and you fight those huge spiders w- which which catch you in their webs and are super creepy and powerful um, i I like the I like the this the feel of playing that part of the game. Cause it's like, okay, like I know what's going on here. Like this is, this is, um, some final fantasy right now. Like we're in a dungeon, we're proceeding towards the end of the dungeon. We're finding treasures along the way we're, we're fighting enemies and avo- avoiding obstacles, right? Everything's so nice and clear cut in a way. Um, but it's that, it's that parallel, um, to the untold story, which I I find very interesting. And it really grabs me, you know, this part of the game is like, up till now I've kind of been like, okay, I can save and I'm I'm done for the week. But now I'm like, oh man, I want to go on to Nibelheim. This part is so cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it is interesting just to what extent that cave is a representation of going into one's past or going into the attic of one's soul where the cobwebs and the slippery, the slippery slopes and the spiders and the ghosts of the past reside, that you have to go clean out in order to understand yourself better. And so, you know, we defeat this poltergeist, and it's sort of a creepy moment even before we do fight him, because he's this giant creepy face, and we're like, what is this? And Bugenhagen says, this can't be. And so there's this notion that there's this notion that even this god the father figure has has did not know something that you are now totally necessary for this um that you he could not have predicted what you are about to have to deal with
1: right which is heartening right because he's a bit pessimistic up there at the start and so if you can show him something new then it kind of brings him back to life in a way too right um and he's he's he has sealed this door shut and he opens it for you. And I find that a real interesting kind of metaphor in itself, right? That you've got this part of yourself or this thing that happened that's so traumatic that you seal it. And so it doesn't leak into other stuff and doesn't mess up the rest of your daily life and whatnot. And you're beautiful, you know, sit around the campfire sort of world. Okay. Very nice. But at some point, You've got to unseal that door and you do have to descend um, with someone new, right? With someone who brings something that you did not foresee, that you did not hope for maybe, um, and also brings maybe something old as well, right? Something connected to that place and that has that, that link. So that dynamic is, is really um, interesting to think about. The sealing and unsealing, the new component, the old component um, that you can in some way, uh, interject something, you know, and I'm thinking now, you know, like a story, right? Like a different telling of a story into what had been a really negative thing and, and transform it. And the way that you defeat that, that spirit at uh, that boss fight, you can cast life on it and it will end the fight. Um, one hit kill, which is, or, you know, one hit unkill, which is cool. Um, cause what does that symbolize? Right? Like, the healing yeah. is the solution, and that's and then you go and you see you see the the statue out there.
0: That's fascinating because it's just if you just convert or just turn towards it or just have the revelation or give it life there in terms of embodying it, then mm-hmm. then it ceases to be a ghost. It ceases to be disembodied. Oh, very good. And so I was just making a connection while you were saying that to Nanaki's petrified father by poison arrows crying tears that rejuvenate rejuvenate his son mm. um sort of like materia in the same way that fox the phoenix cries tears onto harry potter who's just been stabbed by a basilisk which is a creature that turns people to stone oh yeah and so he's healed by these phoenix tears which you might take to be that he's now reintegrated a part of himself from the underworld and now uh uh, is being rejuvenated like a phoenix um, oh. br- and brought up from the dead underworld, the chamber of secrets into the upper world of being a reintegrated human who can, or sentient creature who can adapt to the world again and be in the, you know, the real game outside the self. And that this is that sort of moment for Nanaki and that he had this petrified, poisonous image of his Father poisoning himself uh, to where he found himself somehow in Hojo's laboratory mm-hmm. um, in an ugly, ugly place in that ugly, ugly city of Midgar, where all of these characters found themselves at some point, except for Yuffie, if you have her, which I don't. <laughs> oh, come on.
1: You still didn't get Yuffie? I, um, I,
0: there are a couple of things I've still been missing. Still been missing a few things. That, and I need to go back and get Beta as well.
1: Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, well, so there are, some, um, there are some enemies in those woods around Gongaga that will um, give you a petrifying stare as well. Um, so that, that, that theme is definitely there and kind of you know, prepared for a bit as well. And the, the, it's not an enemy skill. Um, the frog song, which is so annoying, is an enemy yes. skill. But the death sentence is a, is a skill as well. You, you mentioned it. Um, it. It, like the petrify stare uh, thing, it it casts this thing on you that that counts down mm. and um and if it reaches zero then no matter how much health you have whatever you die right your character just dies um and you learn it if you have the right material right you have the enemy skill materia equipped then you learn the death sentence move and you can use it right back at well you know enemies who it's effective on um who I I don't think I didn't try using it in, down in the caves, because I assumed that it probably wouldn't work on these types of enemies, but, um, but I am looking forward to finding ways of you know using that uh, to do fun things, like you know, cast it on an enemy who's too powerful for me right now, and then be able to kind of like ride out the fight until that enemy just dies. Like that would be you know a really useful thing. And again, you bring it back from that dark place which you had been afraid of, uh, of going into. Uh, of, of facing. And, um,
0: it, and it gives you higher capacities, more exploratory yeah. ability, because now you can go to places where you can face threats which are larger than you could have, which make you stronger, faster, in mm-hmm, a more efficient mm-hmm. way.
1: So it's really worth your time. <laughs> totally. And you find the added effect materia down there too. It's a blue one yes. that you can pair to, um, you know, like cause uh, status effects by just hitting people with your weapon if it's got a paired slot up there. So like that could be a pretty, again, like a super useful thing to have, or you can use it as a defense as well. And it's like being able to defend against um, certain uh, status effects, which can be uh, super annoying and or you know devastating if you're like, not able you know, to block them.
0: Yeah, and so we have um, a revelation, right? The hero is present at this great moment, and that seems to be what heroes do. They, they mm-hmm. add depth to the moment. And the great warrior was his father. So Bugenhagen has been pulling us along this string the whole time. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently uh, how we were thinking about Red 13's father, which was he was a coward, is what Na- Nanaki thought. Um, but his mother, who fought in the front, who was the obvious hero, um, she, she got all the credit as a hero. But his father who got no credit, who nobody knew what he did, he fought off every one of this tribe himself. He had the much harder struggle and Mm. for zero glory. So he's actually even more of a hero to his son. And it's even more special because it is his son that learns this. And so his son howls in this bestial way, even though he can speak. Mm. That reminds me so much of the Wordsworth poem that we're reading right now of Ginsburg. He just howls and that's what he hears from his father. And it's just, you know, it's like it even caught me up that moment. It's like one of those moments Jordan Peterson talks about where just, even though you can't articulate what it is about it, maybe we can, it still hits you.
1: Yeah. It makes no sense. (laughs) I think part of that is the way that you're prepared for it, yeah, by um, sort of stringing you along with um, bits and pieces, and you start to sort of suspect, like, could it be, could it be, right? And then, uh, um, like you say, that 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 howl to the moon, which is a, a powerful kind of archetypal sort of image, right, of, of the wild, um, of which to, to which we're still drawn, right, even when we set up the campfire why do we go camping in the first place, right? To get back in touch with wild things with wildness and get away from the overbuilt up Midgar's that we live in. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when you get through the cave and you fight the, the ghost and you come out the other end, you're actually no longer in the cave, right? He's actually clear out the other end and outside under the stars again, right under the moon. Um, so it's a kind of beautiful image. Uh, very, very Inferno-esque, right? The way down is the way up and, and you come out and you, where you're not, where you're least expecting to, to be out in the fresh air again after that long dungeon. Uh, there, that's where you find yourself.
0: Yeah, and I was saying also like Plato's Cave because what you do is you go out there in order to restore an ideal so that you can embody it back in the world. You don't just go uh-huh. out there and hang out there and stay out there. Um, you got to be like Samwise Gamgee from mm. the Lord of the Rings. You got to come back and you gotta bring it back with you. And that seems to be the important second piece that you not only need to have the revelation but then embody the revelation. You need to be the human, annoyed God figure nailed to the cross, uh, as it were. Uh, you have to actually em- embody yourself in the world, embody your thoughts, you have to do things, right? Even though nothing will ever be good enough for you, of course, in your mind. Uh, hmm. uh, the ultimate test is in the world. And so so it's Red Thirteen's father passed that test Mm -hmm. with flying colors. He is an awesome hero. And what's interesting is that Bugenhagen reflects this in saying he protected us then and he protects us now. So what does that mean? Because now he's petrified like a gargoyle, right? And what gargoyles are, are just like what standards of eagles or snakes are, are petrified representations of threats we've overcome who have made us into what we are. And so it's supposed to remind us that we're stronger than jaguars and more fearsome and cunning than snakes and that we're incredible and we should remember that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what Nanaki's father seems to represent is look at how much you can be. Um, And that that ideal restores the community over and over again. And that actually, that ideal is what gives the community security because they're so uh, strong as a people that um, it's even stronger than walls,
1: which you know the Spartan people proved by living on a plane
0: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah, I like that uh, that suggestion that his it's his example uh, even though no one knows about it right that he, Not yet and that's so interesting to me because i I think that is you know very much the case with a lot of the great books and and the great Events in history, you know, not many people necessarily know about them, and yet those are the things that keep them safe and that undergird their um, their very unaware sort of happy existence, right? Or not so happy existence, but anyhow, it's down there and it's making it less bad than it could be. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, to go and like encounter that, um, to have that kind of moment of of meeting. And uh, understanding finally um, what happened in the past, what what happened down there in the dark, right? And um, continue, and that yeah, it continues to resonate to the present, whether you're aware of it or not. Uh, and then of course, you know, Nanaki, A.K.A. whatever you named him, joins your party again, right? He doesn't just stay at his hometown. He's ready to move on and go with you, and and carry that forward. And He's got a super strong new weapon as well, um, which just like appears in your inventory, so if, um, you can equip it, and it's way more powerful uh, than his his previous weapon.
0: All right, yeah, yeah. What is the name of that weapon again? I want to make sure I got it.
1: Uh, yeah, it's it's called Seraph Comb. So it's the high, you know, the highest order of angel. Uh, and comb because you know you wear it on your head to bonk enemies with when you jump on them, so that's how it works. So
0: it is a literal embodiment of a higher perspective,
1: yeah. By him.
0: Yeah, oh, so that's excellent. And uh, well, and what's interesting too is what it shows is that the path of individuation doesn't just have like some spiritual aspect, but for it has a functional relevance that mm-hmm. he has become stronger and more capable so that he can produce. A better effect for the group, and so he's become more useful because he's integrated more parts of himself, and, and thus a higher level awareness, and thus a higher capacity to wield skills. And um, uh, because of that higher perspective, that's embodied or represented by the seraph cone, the seraph. Yeah. yeah, like you were saying. Um, so I think that's very that's very strong and very interesting, and that precisely the reward for doing that is getting to come back to reality with a bigger bag of tricks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, getting to come back into the game with a slightly better awareness of where the holes are and perhaps there are fewer holes. Um, yeah. Or at least you can deal with them better. You have a better jumping skill or something well, like that.
1: You better be ready because you're about to go to Nibelheim, right? And so you yes. are going to finally see... Clouds, Tifa's past as well. And so you're going to fight some green dragons up there, right? Because that's, that's the monsters that just roam randomly <laughs> through the, the mountains around Nibelheim. So you'd better, you know, have some, have some um, something to take, you know, something material to bring with you from your, your quest so far to be ready to handle it. And I wouldn't, I, yeah, I don't know if going back all the way to get beta is actually necessary, but it certainly doesn't hurt, you know, it's, it's super useful in a pinch
0: okay well i I like that and so it's interesting that you said nibbleheim because i think the place we go to now is called nibble between two mountains
1: oh okay maybe we're not quite sure
0: just saying that just saying that because that was a question i had i said why is it called nibble and not nibble
1: oh oh i haven't i haven't actually entered it yet so i don't i don't know that's curious
0: yes yes i thought i was curious as well as if that was Again, just one of those little small things and I only walked in for a second. I and I'm not ready to go try that piano piece to try and get the yeah. ultimate weapon. <laughs> uh, but I did walk into Cloud's mom's place just because at the last time remember that creepy memory where you're you're buzzing in and buzzing out, stacking stacking yeah. out the last moments before she's alive and there's some woman there and you interact with her and say, Tell me if you tell say tell me your story, she says or you say, first, you speak first, not very good inquirer. Uh, I lived here until I was fourteen. You know this place burned down, and she says, like, "What are you crazy? Um, you know <laughs> And you know the weirdest thing is when you first walk in too uh, and the party uh, sort of comes out of you and then talks to you. Mm-hmm. i had read thirteen, and he said, Burnt down I thought I thought this place burnt down. Cloud, did you lie to us? Oh, did you lie to us? It's like, well, did he lie to himself, first and foremost? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just so interesting about the lie. Jordan Peterson was saying about something Freud says about, and the Freudians about the unconscious, is that you may have forgotten how you got to where you are based on the lies you've told, because even though you were conscious the first time you told a lie, you might just have not, you, know, you 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 might not have taken account of that with the consequences that followed. And when you iterate that behavior, it might have become unconscious by that point. And so you uh. have to go back to that original point and figure out when you made that conscious error, that sort of moral error, and how that has been afflicting you, like the judgment of God in the future, unconsciously um and so it's interesting that now now sort of that this is sort of catching up with cloud has Mm -hmm. he been lying and how far can you get based on a lie in reality and it's looking like maybe not that far
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. not as far as he seems to want to right yeah cloud is such an interesting character because um it seems like he he really does embody your own spirit of like inquiry right like you're you're asking and talking to people um and asking them to tell their story and stuff uh but he he constantly also gets in the way right his own personality keeps like sort of buzzing in front of you, like like in that scene right like it it makes it physically difficult to um to see what's going on, uh, that, that's, he's a, he's, a, he's a messed up uh, uh, hero figure, um, and, and the kind of struggle that he's about to go through in uh, Nibelheim, I think will be really interesting to compare and contrast with what we've seen so far about uh, Barrett's and, and Red Thirteen's, so that'll be a, be a doozy for next time.
0: Yeah, we're gonna get deep, we're gonna get deep and uh and we can't forget that as we see it being loaded up for cloud perhaps also for us Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. and so well uh another excellent time had
1: yeah yeah thanks again for um keeping this kind of regular time i feel like we can again try to uh implore our listeners to like send us some questions and uh comments and stuff and like tell us all the stuff that we've been missing because i know there's more stuff to this game than what we're we're able to get to um and just yeah like uh let us know how how your uh your delve into your past is going as well as you're as you're following along with us Yeah.
0: yeah 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 and you know just because that's such an interesting note to end on it's funny because just as a piece of nostalgia from the past this was a sort of a project that I didn't know would take this form but something I always wanted to do and you always suggested that I do during graduate school several years ago Uh, like you were like you got to write your magnum opus on like a Jungian approach to Final Fantasy 7 and actually you know, we've gotten even more expansive than just the union approach. You know, we've added you know sort of computational neuroscience, neuroscience, behavioral methods, uh, other psychotherapist methods. Like you know, the uh, the amount of information we bring into this analysis is far more extensive than the original idea. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the fact that we're actually working on this
1: is pretty cool. It's remarkable. Yeah, I'm enjoying it.
0: Yeah. So Well, you know, those of you who are listening, this is our attempt at magnum opus level stuff. So, you know, you be the judge.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, take it easy.
0: Take it easy.